time to uh, spend a little time with our friend, Dr. Michael Roizen from the Cleveland Clinic, also from Longevity Playbook. And you need to visit longevityplaybook.com and find out how you can make yourself your own genetic engineer so you can live a lot younger and a lot longer. And we're going to talk to Dr. Roizen about all of the great research that uh, he gives us every week and the, the big news in the health world. But we also have to pat him on the back a little bit. Dr. Royston, I'm glad you're here. I, have, uh, I bring you good news from the front. I am glad I'm here, too. And it's always fun. Is the good news you got a hole in one this week? No, that didn't happen. I, I played it just oh. no, no. It's just it's, that would be really good news. You would have heard about that by now because I'd be calling you for bail money. <laughs> <laughs> I told you about my friend who got two back to back, right? Yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me of that. I had I'd gone to therapy to get that blanked out, but but no. No, it was a rough weekend, maybe maybe different this weekend. No, but you, we have talked for years now about the benefits of, of drinking coffee and drinking tea every day and that it, it helps you to ward off um, frailty later in life. And there is now backup for this from the National University of Singapore, which had 12,000 participants between the ages of 45 and 74 over two decades, Doc. And they talk about all the things we talk about, the benefits of caffeine. Uh, people who drink four cups of coffee daily had the most significant benefits, but also say that green tea and black tea can yield great benefits too, Doc. So uh, you were there before anybody else, but now you got back up. Well, the, the good news for anyone who loves coffee is – assuming you're a fast metabolizer and 80 plus percent of Americans are, then the more coffee, the better. Uh, get it from through a filter and the Keurig uh, machine puts it through a filter. I see a lot of people using Keurigs, but any paper filter filters out the bad stuff. Um, and then it's all good stuff. Decreases type two diabetes, decreases obesity, decreases um, about eight cancers and decreases uh, Parkinson's and um, Alzheimer's as well. Excellent. Excellent. And, and now we got backup from halfway around the world. Uh, Doc, we, we talk about longevityplaybook.com and the focus is trying to get everybody to live a lot longer, but a lot younger. There is a woman in Canada, Maria Branyas. Her, she is 116 years old, Dr. Royzen. Uh, well, you know, that's not going to – our prediction is, yeah. you know, with 14 shots on goal, there are 14 areas of aging mechanism research that have all rebooted, that has taken the equivalent of 90-year-old humans and made them 40-year-old humans with animal models. They haven't – they're just moving now into human studies – um, and with 14 shots on goal, it's likely that we're going to see a lot more people over the age of 115 pretty soon. Yeah, well, they, they say, you know, unlike most people her age, she has no cardiovascular problems. She can actually recall stories from the age of four. Now, she was born. <laughs> she, Doc, she That's was. From I, 1911, right? No, she's, she's born in 1907. Telling... She was born. Yeah, but four years old is when she it was in nineteen eleven. Yeah, what I did that when the Federal Reserve was formed or something. Probably, she's probably telling stories about 
whatever that island, Jekyll Island or something, <laughs> where it was formed. The creature from Jekyll Island, yes. They're, they're taking DNA samples from her. She was born in America, born in San Francisco, and grew up uh, going uh, around the world. 1907, so yeah. it was just after the great earthquake of 1904. Yeah, she's, she's seen a lot. A couple of pandemics, earthquakes, everything. Uh, she said she, she started cutting out toxic people in her life and, <laughs> and avoided excess. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Having a good posse is key. You know, it's posse, uh, purpose with passion and play that are key. What's her play? What does she play? What does she like doing? Oh, she doesn't do much is, now. Is she, she, is she a golfer? Does she go for hole-in-ones? She's in a chair. She's not. <laughs> she, they're wheeling her around right now. But they say, look, her brain is functioning. She has no cardiovascular problems. She used to eat yogurt every day. And so she's had a focus on, I, I guess, uh, getting rid of, as you said, the toxic people, as she said, toxic people, had a good posse and avoided excess in her life. So they're, they're taking her DNA and they're going to study it. I'm sure you're going to hear more about this. So uh, it's just a wonderful story. 116 years old and appears to have, like uh, I said, she appears to have the, the mainframe. The brain is working pretty good. You know, good. if she gets a hold one before you do, it'll be really embarrassing. I, I'm quitting the game. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, Doc, I, I know. I know I'm <laughs> deflecting from your research. I do want to get your research, but I, I have to ask you a question because I saw this, speaking of Canada, where this lady lives now. Canada is about to legalize what they call MAID for drug addicts, and MAID refers to medical assistance in dying. To me, that seems like, you know, euthanasia. And they're, they're saying they're going to offer it to people whose sole condition is that they struggle from severe mental illness, so they're depressed, and they're also uh, drug addicts. Uh, now, th this blows my mind, and we've never talked about assisted suicide. And I certainly understand, because you know I've seen people in my life who got sick and terribly sick, and they suffered terribly. But it, I, I worry when we start drifting into doctor-assisted suicide or medical assistance in dying, as they're calling it. Uh, is this a is this a trend we need to do a, a a deeper dive on? Well, you know there are a couple of states in the United States that allow this, um, but they're pretty strict regulation on um, what conditions they have to have. Um, on the other hand, because there are only a couple of states, I think Oregon is one of them. Washington, I think, also, and Washington D.C. Um, all have. Uh, that those provisions, but um, they're pretty rigorous, uh, meaning they're expected to live less than six weeks, etc. They're pretty rigorous conditions. Uh, let's look at, at your research, Doc. Um, I'm I'm keeping track of uh, all kinds of things in my life, trying to stay healthier and stay younger, etc. And um, sleep is one of the things I focus on because you always talk about my crazy schedule. Now, I don't have insomnia. If I want to go to sleep, I can pretty much go to sleep. But now this, uh, this bit of research saying insomnia or short sleep is tied to high blood pressure and the risk is mostly in women. Uh, isn't a lack of sleep bad for you overall, but why high blood pressure? 
Yeah, we don't know why high blood pressure was it. Is there something in the blood vessels or in the blood flow to the brain that's causing short sleep? Or is it vice versa? So this isn't, this isn't, it doesn't help us with uh, cause and effect, which is the chicken and which is the egg. Um, but in any case, in this study, it was the nurse's health study, which looked at women who slept less than six and a half hours. And the women who slept less than six and a half hours had about a 40% increase in having high blood pressure in the next 20 years compared to those who had normal sleep patterns. So fairly strong association, but not we can't say which is the cause and which is the effect. Uh, what it does bring up is if you do have short sleep or do have hypertension, you ought to look to make sure you don't have the other and what can be done to, to ameliorate it. Well, I, I just know sleep is something that we so often overlook, and now it seems to be tied to so many problems in in our health, lack of sleep tied to so many problems. I don't know anybody who say, man, I got to get less sleep. <laughs> Everybody I know is saying, I need more sleep, and I understand that. Uh, Doc, the, the very top of your list, I didn't understand this, and I think the audience will agree with me and you're going to have to explain it microbiota from alzheimer's patients induce deficits in cognition and hippocampus uh neurogenesis please you need to translate that one for me well this is a very important study and that's why it's at the top of the list and what it was is this group took the bacteria the poop essentially, from people who had Alzheimer's disease and normal people of the same age and gender mix matched. I think it was 18 in both groups. And they gave the poop to either mice, um, they, in separate groups, to mice that were um, naive as far as their poop bacteria, meaning they were bred not to have bacteria in their poop, in their intestines. And when they did this, the mice that got the Alzheimer's patients poop um, developed Alzheimer's disease, as opposed to the mice who got the uh, normal people's poop did not. And so you're saying, what's going on here? It's not the bacteria. Remember, what the bacteria do is they metabolize all your food and create proteins from that food. And um, it may be that something in the abnormal bacteria the, the, that the people with Alzheimer's disease, um, their bacteria produces a protein that we absorb that promotes cognitive deficits. And so this is the first indication that that's what's going on. Um, and one of the causes of uh, overall deficits in uh, function in people with cognitive dysfunction may be caused by the bacteria they have. Pretty pretty amazing and unusual, eh? Oh, it's it's absolutely mind blowing. But I'm just wondering what mind sits around and goes, "Hey, what if we fed some of the poop from Alzheimer's patients to mice to see how they reacted to it?" And then you ended up doing it, and you actually got a reaction. 
and a result that may open some doors to some good things to happen down the road. That's astounding to me. Well, remember, this is this decade uh, is named by NIH the decade of the microbiome. That is, we're going, they're going to do uh, research into the primary stuff in the microbiome and what it means because no one understands the microbiome very much. And so that's what this uh, NIH is sponsoring a bunch of studies. So it isn't just the, some guys sitting around and saying, let's do this. It is uh, one of the major funding areas is the microbiome and saying, how can we manipulate the microbiome so people are healthier? And how do we learn from it? And that, that's part of where this came from. Uh, I've got yes. time for one more in here. Blood pressure. We talk about blood pressure all the time. This uh, high baseline systolic blood pressure is a risk factor for dementia and cognitive impairment. Uh, which one of the numbers is the systolic? The systolic is the upper number. And what this was, was they looked at people who had high systolic blood pressures and normal diastolic. And then they said, does this group have any greater association? And it was, it's, it's not a huge association. Um, it's about a 15% increase in risk um, by just minor increases in systolic pressure. So it was a, you know, it's not, not trivial. It's not um, awe-inspiring, but it is means, look, get treatment for your high blood pressure, no matter whether it's just systolic or diastolic or both. Yeah, that plumbing is so important, people. And if, if you allow one of those pipes to blow out, it causes big problems all over your body. Check your blood pressure. Ideally, Doc, we were told it was 120 over 80 was the target. And uh, I checked mine uh, yesterday morning. I've got, I've got my record right. I was 116 over 87. I'm, I think I'm in a pretty good range, but that, that bottom number could come down a little bit, I guess. The bottom number is more important than the top number, we've always thought. And that's true for heart disease and stroke and memory loss. Um, so your bottom number, you really want to get that bottom number under 80. Okay. And so there's a great... Um, push to treat it. But a lot of it is you may be not measuring it correctly. So one of the real pushes is you sit down for five minutes in a quiet space, not thinking about your radio show, just kind of looking at uh, the uh, beautiful sky. And then you take your blood pressure after five minutes with your feet on the floor. So that's how it yeah you know, how it's supposed to be taken okay five minutes relax don't think about anything both feet on the floor and test it i'll report back to you next week as well dr michael royce is our buddy our guest and gives us so much great information in the world of health and medicine and you need to go to longevityplaybook.com and see what you can do to make yourself younger, your own genetic engineer. And then follow Dr. Reisen on Twitter. He's a great follow on Twitter, at Dr. Mike Real Age. Thank you, doctor. Thank you. 